Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. My name is Liz, and uh, I'm one of the lead pastors here. Um, and I'm excited about this fall. You know, we've had these little snippets about the vineyard because September 18th, we're having our launch service, our celebration of becoming a vineyard. So it's just an extra special service to celebrate um, our new identity. And so put mark that down, September 18th. Um, and, and this fall, we're just going to be launching lots of things to grow and grow together, small groups, youth group, you know, all these things. So I'm looking forward to those rhythms to uh, just grow together and see God ex explode whatever he wants to do here. Um, okay, I have a question for you. Have you ever uh, felt like an idiot after you did something really stupid? Just raise your hand, <laughs> raise your hand, right? That should be most everyone. Um, we all have felt, you know, like an idiot after doing something uh, silly or, you know, confession, I misplace my phone all the time. Does anybody else have a problem misplacing their phone? Okay, just a few of us, that's fine. Um, <laughs> I am often going about my life at home. I think, oh, yeah, you know, I should go switch the laundry or something, you know, so I put my phone up on some random shelf or my children need my attention and so my phone gets sit on top of the microwave or the piano or who knows where, right? It goes all kinds of places and then at some point I need my phone and I need to check it or I need to find it and we're all, you know, looking around the house, where's my phone? Hey Dan, call my phone. You know, I can't find my phone. That's a pretty typical situation in my house. And it doesn't work if your phone is still on silent from the morning, right? Dan calling my phone, doesn't work, can't find the phone. Okay, so in some situations, thankfully, I have this watch that if it's connected to Bluetooth, will ring my phone. So if it's within range, I can click on here, like find my phone. Great feature, right? Because then my phone rings really loud, whether it's silent or not. And usually, you know, wherever it's around the house, even if it's like stuck in the couch, like you can hear the faintness and you can go follow the sound till you find it, right? Well, one day, you know, I'm trying to get the kids out the door. We're trying to leave to go somewhere and I can't find my phone, right? So I'm trying to find my phone before we leave the house, you know, um, and I, I'm like, oh yeah, I can find it from my watch. So it won't let me do it if it's not within range, but it was within range. And so I click it, find my phone, silent. I can't hear it ring anywhere, which is not typical. You know, it's so loud. You can hear it at least faintly. Walking around, you know, the whole length of my house, I can't hear it anywhere, but it's clearly ringing. And I'm thinking, where is this phone? <laughs> you know, can't find it, can't find it. So finally, it's like, it's time to leave. So I'm just going to have to figure out my life without my phone and leave anyways. Um, and so I open the door to the garage to go out to the van, and I hear the faint noise. And I'm like, okay, following it, following it, following it. I get to my garbage can, open the garbage can. It's in a trash bag in the garbage can. Idiot, why is it in this trash bag, you know? Because I was doing something on the counter, probably just tossed into the trash, you know. Who knows, right? Thankfully, like, I was able to find it from this because it, you know, who knows where it could have gone, right? 
idiot. Like, you know, you have these moments where you just think, what was I thinking, right? Well, um, sometimes you probably think that not just about yourself, but about other people too, right? You might think of, think of it about your partner or your spouse. You might think of it about your friend, maybe even your children when they do something not so smart. I'm sure that you've thought that the other person on the road driving was an idiot, right? Not you, but the other person, right? You might think like your favorite you know, athlete, whoever is supposed to like do that one thing at the right crucial moment in the game, and they didn't. Oh, idiot, right? We think our politicians are idiots no matter what political party you're on. You might think your neighbor is an idiot. You know, you have these thoughts where you think people are idiots. Well, you know, we're going to look at what Jesus says about calling people idiots today. Um, so as we finish out this wisdom series, we're kind of just like zeroing in um, on Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which is the longest sermon that Jesus, that's recorded of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. And it gives us kingdom wisdom for how we're supposed to live with Jesus. And kingdom wisdom, it, it doesn't always come naturally. It's often counterintuitive to the way sometimes we want to humanly react and call people idiots and call ourselves idiots. But Jesus, he, in the Sermon on the Mount, he takes uh, the moral law from the Old Testament and he raises the bar even higher. So because of this, some interpreters have de debated, well, you know, the, the standard is just so high that Jesus is telling us what life is going to be like in the future kingdom. You know, this is how we'll all act someday. Or some people have said, well, you know, the, it's so high of a standard that we're supposed to realize, like, our despair in being able to keep it and really trust in Jesus's righteousness that's given to us. But really, neither one of those viewpoints are totally co correct. What, what's true about Jesus's kingdom wisdom is that the kingdom has come near. It is present. And Jesus is showing us a pattern of life that we can live with him now. Dan talked last week about being uh, the salt and the light of the world. He talked mostly about salt. That salt is enhancing and influencing the world for Jesus. That that is our calling. And, you know, it was originally Israel's calling. And when the hearers of this sermon heard that, they were tuned in to what Jesus was saying because they knew that was Israel's original calling. Even in Isaiah 49, it says, You will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Israel was called to be salt and light to all the nations. And you know what? They, they really struggled to fulfill that calling. 
And so the story of, of the gospel of Jesus is that Jesus now has fulfilled the calling of Israel. He is the one that lived perfectly and fulfilled the law. So it's no longer a burden to you and I. He came to be the ultimate sacrifice for all wrongdoing. And now he's taking that law and he's clarifying it. He's saying, you know what, I'm going to show you the real intent behind the law. I'm going to show you the real purpose of the law. Because you know what, it gives us a pathway of wisdom to live as God's children. This is our identity. Jeanette just talked about our identity, the, the, what we, the titles that we have. Because of these titles, we've been invited to live this Jesus story and fulfill the destiny and calling of the kingdom, the, the real presence and power of Jesus on this earth. And so he tells us, he tells us exactly what it looks like to be salt and light. And so we're going to pick up kind of uh, after um, Dan's section. And in 521 is where we're going to pick up. And you can follow along. Um, I have it on the screen, I think. And it says this. This is what Jesus is saying in his sermon. You have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and then you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you're on the way to the court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge, who will hand you over to an officer, who will, be, who will throw you into prison. And if, you, and if it happens, you surely won't be free again until you've paid the last penny. So in this way of teaching, Jesus is using like a familiar method um, to his hearers of the time where he's referencing something that his listeners are familiar with, something they've heard, right? And, and then he's saying, you know what? Forget what you've heard, because I am going to give you a new interpretation. And so what his listeners have heard is the moral law from Israel, the, the commands by which Israel lived by. And one of those commands was, you shall not murder. And so he references that. And that seems like a great law, right? We still abide by that today. But then Jesus clarifies the intent behind that law. And he's saying, you know what? In the kingdom, judgment doesn't just fall on people's actions, people's actions that commit murder, right? He's concerned with not just what we do, but who we are on the inside. And he's saying, if we're angry people that just let our anger 
bubble out of us and spew over into relationships and harsh words and thoughts, we're in the wrong in the same way. We're in the wrong and subject to judgment. He's saying an angry heart and mind is destructive. Because when we're angry and we let it spew out of us, we are actually harming somebody else's identity and character. And Jesus says, you know, your identity is so important. It's what I came to redeem. We probably all know the feeling of like hot anger rising up in us, right? Some of us might be more prone to reacting that way than others. Like myself is more prone to that than my husband. We all know what it's like to have like a stressful day, right? Where just this thing went wrong and this thing went wrong and we couldn't catch a break. We couldn't catch a moment to ourselves. And then all of a sudden something happens and then you just snap, right? And you let that anger out. And when you let it out on an innocent bystander, like a child that had nothing to do with your stressful, stressful day, you realize, oh, I just caused harm. So Jesus is going through and he's reinterpreting the law. And he's giving us a new way of being human, a way that fulfills the ancient way of being human when, when in Genesis it's laid out for us. He created humans in his image to be image bearers. And he's saying, this is how I created you to be fully human, and I'm restoring that identity now because I've taken on the burden of the law and I've given you a new identity. The law is now in your heart. I'm restoring your heart, giving you a new identity with new power to live out how I created you to be, image bearers of God. What Jesus is not saying is that anger is bad, right? Anger is actually one of uh, our four core emotions as humans, right? Along with, with sorrow, joy, and fear. All those emotions are things that we will forever experience until Jesus comes back. Anger is an important emotion. It's not bad in and of itself, but it is like a signal, right? It kind of, it shows us, oh, something is, is like not right here. It can be an injustice happening in the world or to you or to someone else. It can signal harm happening to you or someone. It's, it's an important thing that we need to pay attention to. Why am I feeling angry and what really needs to be addressed? right? Before we just allow it to become this fiery furnace inside of us. And then we become a little less than fully human. We forget our identity if we're letting anger control us. So what do we do when we find it bubbling up? Jesus tells us to be reconciled, to make friends, to love our enemies. I think 
that's a much costlier way to live. I think living by the way of anger is a, is a really easy way to live, right? It's a cheap way to live. If you let anger do the directing, man, it takes no self-control or no self-sacrifice to just let anger have its way inside of us. But when we have to reconcile relationships, that takes a lot of work. Often pain and we have to mourn, we have to give up of ourselves, we have to release things and forgive, we have to trust God. That's all a lot harder. But I think that sounds more like Jesus. And then, you know, he gives us this snapshot of somebody going to the temple to make a sacrifice. And then they suddenly remember, oh yeah, someone has an offense with me. I'm just going to leave my sacrifice, go find that person, be reconciled, and then go back to my sacrifice that I'm making to God. So if you were in Galilee, the location of where Jesus is preaching this sermon, like, you know, we're here in Muhammad, you would have known as a person listening to this sermon that a a journey to the temple in Jerusalem was three days away, okay? And so Jesus is kind of presenting this humorous snapshot, really, of what it means to not be angry with someone. And so he's he's showing us, okay, if you're a three-day journey away and your, your sacrifice isn't just money. You know, that's probably what you think when you read this. You're thinking, oh, yeah, someone's bringing their money to the temple. But no, they're bringing like a live animal to the temple. So let's say you've traveled three days with your goat or whatever you're bringing, and you're hot, and you're sweaty, and you're tired, and it's been a long, exhausting journey with your sacrifice that you've brought all the way to the temple. And you get there, and then you suddenly remember, oh, Oh, yeah, Cousin Ishmael, he's upset with me. Oh, man, I talked bad about him in front of uncle last week, and yeah, he's offended. Oh, my gosh, how did I forget that? What an idiot I am. Oh, I better run back this three-day journey back to Galilee, right? I better tie up my goat and hope he survives this next three days there so that I can say sorry. Okay, we're good, Cousin Ishmael. Okay, all right, I'm going to go three days back and hope my goat survived the last week of being unattended, and now I'm ready to give my sacrifice to God. It's a, it's a humorous sketch. He's basically saying you wouldn't live like that. You wouldn't wait to go say sorry to your cousin and tie up your goat and go three days back and three days back. What he's What he's implying is um, something that N.T. Wright sums up for us. He says, the point is that you must live day by day in such a way that when you come to worship, there's no anger between you and your neighbor, your sister, your brother. It's a daily way of living and keeping short accounts with people. Have you ever heard that term, keeping short accounts? Living in the kingdom is, is a day 
by day way of living. We're not building up these long accounts with people so that when we come to worship before God, we've let all this relational junk build up. He says, settle your offenses quickly because that relational uh, account is actually more important. It takes precedent over coming to sacrifice to me in worship. I care about how you interact with people. How you harm or build up other people's identity and character. And then he finishes with this other sketch about um, like if you and your neighbor were going to court to settle your differences. He says to settle them quickly. Try to even do it outside of court because if you end up going to court, you're basically going to lose. <laughs> you're going to be given over to this person and this person and then finally in jail and then you'll lose all your money. Like it's, if you're going to try to win your offenses through that avenue, it's going to fail you. And he's saying, try to settle your differences outside of court by loving your enemies, by making friends. Don't let your offenses try to win the day. We've been given this new identity. We've been given these new titles. And the world acts thoughtlessly on, on their anger. But you have been given a new spirit, a new identity. And you get to act and live like the one we worship, Jesus. We've been given a new pathway to walk, the way of kingdom wisdom. You know, when Peter uh, preached the gospel, he said, you have, he quoted Psalm 16 and said, you have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. He quoted that because Jesus is the fulfillment of the path of life. He's the one that shows us the way of dealing with anger that bubbles up inside of us. So here's my call to action. Some questions you can think about um, this week. When do you forget your identity in the kingdom? When do you forget? When do you feel yourself getting angry? What kind of provokes that? And when you notice these are the situations, this is when it happens, what, what's really going on there that needs to be a conversation with Jesus? And what area might Jesus be speaking to you this week to pay attention to? Here's some things. Being quick to forgive, extending grace, not gossiping, letting go of offense, and not self-justifying your anger. These are challenges for us to live in the kingdom. But it's with the identity that Jesus has given you. So I'm going to call our worship team back up and pray for us.
as we transition to worship. Jesus, thank you for the identity that you've given us, for, li- for laying down your life and taking all things upon yourself, all sin and brokenness and evil in this world you took upon yourself, and then you put death to death, and you raised back to life, Jesus, and your new life gives us new life. And I thank you for that. I thank you that we do not have to be tied down to the weight of anger, but you've given us new life to be free. I pray that we can just fix our eyes on you and worship you for who you are today. Come, Holy Spirit, and be present in this room as we worship. We love you, Jesus. Amen. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemohammed.org.